What's up, guys? It's Liz Kelly. The One Shining podcast tour with Titus and Tate officially kicks off next week on Friday, November 2nd. Chicago's sold out, but there's still a handful of tickets left in Columbus, Ohio, Louisville, Kentucky, and Bloomington, Indiana. You can find links to buy tickets at theringer.com slash one-shining-podcast. Welcome to the Ringer NFL Show on the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Robert Mays, joined as always by Kevin Clark. Kevin, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing okay. I'm feeling much better about who I think is good in the NFL, even after kind of a sleepy Sunday. Yeah, a lot of shock today. I feel like there weren't many surprising outcomes. I mean, it's not a ton of things that jump out to discuss, really. I mean, the teams that we've been excited about, I think we're going to continue being excited about. The Chiefs won, the Rams won, the Saints won, and kind of a weird fashion but nothing that was at all surprising about what went down today i guess i'd say i i I would say that i mean i think that you have a game like the saints and the vikings and you sort of you can see how that would play out in january um sure rams packers kind of the same deal so i'm actually i feel like there's a lot to dig into just as far as those sort of matchups and what they could mean for later in the season i'm with you and and let's actually do that so we're going to kick off today talking about the NFC contenders, the teams at the top of that conference, and what we may have learned about them you know, from what they showed this afternoon. So uh, let's start with Viking Saints. That's the game we yep. just watched. Uh, again, the Saints defense making some big plays in a way you didn't necessarily expect. And I mean, when their offense is playing against pretty much anybody, if they're going to get a defensive touchdown and, and take the ball away a couple of times, then they're pretty much unbeatable. So this is the game I wanted to see them play. I mean, yes. I, the, the, I mean, I think we we had in our mind a a sort of outline for what a Saints victory over a good team looks like, and this was not that at all. Not at all. I Tr- expect Tr- them to just slaughter them in terms of just putting up points. Yeah, you I thought, thought he was going to have stopped. like three hundred and ninety yards, right? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. So he has one hundred and twenty yards. Uh, obviously, you know he completed 18 of his 23 passes. It was efficient like that, but it was not the sort of Saints performance that we're used to, especially statistically. Um, You know, I thought it was fascinating just what the defense did. They made enough plays. You know, early on in the game, it started to look like the game we thought was going to happen. P.J. Williams got picked on on one of those long drives. They were going after him. They were going after Eli Apple. We thought that was the sort of way that the Vikings were going to get it, but then P.J. Williams gets the interception. He redeems himself. And so I kind of think that from... I'm not saying that it's going he to be He forced like, the few and fumble too, didn't he? Yep. And I'm not going to say it's like 2017 where the Dennis Allen defense sort of does has its head cut off for all of September and then becomes a really good unit in October, November, December, because I don't know if this defense can become that. But what I will say is that this is a very encouraging night as far as the Saints and their elite status, I guess you could say. I don't know. I don't know what, how you can be elite, quote unquote, in October, but they are right on the cusp. If they somehow come away with, I know the Rams are undefeated, but you know, just if the ball bounces a certain way, if they somehow come away with home field advantage in the NFC and they get to play in that dome, I mean, I know they didn't play home tonight, but it was still in a dome. If they get to play in a dome all the way through the playoffs, they're going to be terrifying. I mean, I just would never, ever, ever want to have to go play this team inside. Yeah. I mean, listen, they finished last year 10th in the NFL in points allowed. They entered Sunday 26th in points allowed. And they proved themselves against a pretty damn good 
Vikings team. I mean, 20, eliminating that Vikings team to 20 points, Kirk Cousins just, I mean, he, he got us 359 yards, which is basically, that's what he does as far as just, I think, is he still on pace to break the completions record? I mean, they ran the ball a little bit more today, but I'm assuming that won't continue. I mean, he had 31 completions on 41 passes. Yeah, I mean, he was fine. But I mean, just generally, I just, I just thought I, I came away from that game, as I said, you know, Thielen and Diggs got theirs. Not much you can do about that. Both got over 100 yards. But I think generally, that's the game I wanted to see the Saints play. They just need high variance on defense because I don't think they have the talent to actually put up kind of steadfast defensive performances every week. No. I mean, when you're trading for Eli Apple in the middle of the season, Patrick Robinson gets hurt. I mean, obviously, they just don't have the guys. So if they're going to be able to stop people, it's going to be in this way. They're going to need to take it away a couple times and just create turnovers. I mean, it's like Saints teams we've seen in the past, actually. I mean, that's their best you know hope I thought was interesting? Um, just from the Vikings' perspective, I saw a stat, Courtney Cornyn tweeted it out. The Vikings only drew uh, blitz Drew Brees on two dropbacks. And I think that's the way you play Drew Brees. But I mean, I, I thought that was a, you know, if this is, if, if that defensive game plan, I guess you could call it, doesn't work on a, you know, they still scored 30 points. I know there was, there was the weird Thielen fumble, all that stuff. But if that didn't work, I don't know how January looks any different. Did you come away being a little bit discouraged about the Vikings? It's just who they are. I mean, obviously I know yeah. Rose didn't play, Barr didn't play, but it still feels like this team is just going to be incomplete and a little bit flawed for the whole season. I'm not sure if this gets any better by the end. The team I thought Minnesota was going to be tonight, that was New Orleans. You mean the team you thought Minnesota was going to be coming into the season? Uh, just, yeah. If you, were to, if you were to give me the demographics of what this win looked like, I would have said, oh, that sounds like Minnesota to me. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I feel like both of these teams are up near the top before the season for me. And what's happened with Minnesota just in terms of fall off from certain guys, injuries, everything else. I mean, we've talked about this last week, but it just feels like the Saints and the Rams are in their own tier in the NFC and everyone else is very far behind. Yeah. I mean, did Drew Brees didn't get sacked tonight? I mean, and, and that's, I, I understand, again, that, that goes hand in hand with the blitzing the thing. Pressure, but, the pressure led to the one interception. That's really the only time yeah. he was bothered. Yeah, but I mean, I just, I, it, it, the, the whole thing was kind of disjointed for me from, from the Vikings perspective. You know, Donnie Kwok, our uh, resident, Washington football fan chimed in with the Kirk Cousins against a good team take. And I'm not ready to, I haven't seen enough of Minnesota against a good team with Kirk Cousins at quarterback to make any proclamation one way or the other on that one. With Cousins, it's one of those things where I think that this is who he is. I think he's a good quarterback. I think he's a really good quarterback. I've been so impressed with his play this year. Heck he'll yeah, give it, hell yeah. He'll, he'll give it to you a couple times though. I yeah. mean, that's always who he's been. But we knew what he was. He's an above average quarterback and everything around him has to be Right. And right now, especially on defense, that's not the case. And his offensive line is non-existent. I no. mean, it's, you saw some of those plays. It's just crumbling instantly. It's not as if, you know, the Saints have this incredible interior pass rush. Rankins is fine. Cameron Jordan's a star, but it's, they're not the, the Rams. You know, it's not a team that you'd expect guys to be playing instantly in the backfield. No. And, you know, listen, these are the two. I don't know if you saw this. These, are, these, guys, these two teams combined, combined have how much cap space? Oh, I can't even imagine. It's probably like $17. Yeah. No, uh, the Saints are under a million. And the Vikings are under two million. They're going for it. it, It's Right, right. And so so the point I'm making here is that both of these teams are all in on this season. And they're both all in on the 53 guys they have right now. And coming away from this, a game in Minnesota, 
you have to feel worlds better about New Orleans and their all-in strategy than Minnesota's. I mean, I think that the injuries have happened to both teams, but for the Vikings, they happened in the wrong places. I think for the Vikings, the injuries have happened in areas that sabotage your quarterback. And if that were the case in New Orleans, if I mean, if with Breeze, it's less of an issue because he gets rid of the ball in like 0.2 seconds and he's never been pressured no matter who the offensive line is. But still, his offensive line, for the most part, it's, it's intact. You know, Teron Armstead is still playing. They've had a couple scattered injuries, but they've been allowed to function. If you're going to lose a few guys, I'd rather lose a few cornerbacks than an entire offensive line. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it's interesting. But I mean, so where would you put right now we're talking about NFC contenders. Where would you put the Saints? I would. Is there a Mount Rushmore right now? Because there's the Chiefs, the Rams, the Patriots, and the Saints. Is that how you do it right now? Is there those four yes. teams? Then the other twenty eight. That's how I would do it right now. In that, I think, it, I think we, the Chargers. How, are on how the would tier you do below it? that? I think it's Rams one, Chiefs two, Patriots three, Saints four. Okay. Okay. So let's talk about the Rams. Again, you know, not necessarily the most impressive win, but when you're beating Aaron Rodgers and you're able to just keep rattling these off at a certain point, like that counts. It counts to win, even if it requires Ty Montgomery giving you the ball and probably losing that game if Aaron Rodgers actually gets to drive down the field again. Sure. So, I mean, I view this as sort of a cousin of the Rams, excuse me, the Ravens Saints game last week, which was sure those two teams were fairly even. Something freakish in special teams happens at the end. And I say, you know what? This game really could have gone either way. Um, the Ty Montgomery thing was was so strange. Why he even brought the ball out, that's a discussion for another time. I, I just, it's baffling. But like, what could you possibly be thinking in that moment? Yep. So, a couple things. Number one, Gurley, 114 yards. That's, that's Gurley for you. Uh, passing game-wise, I thought this was interesting. Um, just when he, he lined up in the slot or wide three receptions, 72 yards and a touchdown. When he caught the ball from the backfield, three yards, excuse me, three receptions, nine yards. So, I mean, I, I guess the general thing here, aside from the fact that he cost fantasy owners in Vegas, a lot of, a lot of points or money or whatever. And the over, um, I mean, this is this is what Todd Gurley can do. And I think that there's we sort of knew all of this. I think we probably learned more about the Packers than we did the Rams today. Am I wrong? I totally agree with you. Okay. I, I think that you know the Rams are the Rams. You know, they have this offense that can get chunk plays, even if it's not necessarily the most efficient passing game today. I mean, golf's not completing 75% of his throws, but they were plays to be had. They were moving the ball. He threw three touchdown passes. Gurley is what we know Gurley is. Those receivers make plays. I think Robert Woods is such a fun cog in that offense. And their defense, even if it's supremely flawed right now, they still have the best defensive player in the world. And he's going to make two splash plays a game that swing it. Like those two sacks helped decide that game today. Yeah, no, I exactly. Hey, one thing I want to bring up here, and it's something I thought about after the game, because you see Sean McVay kind of almost then stopped himself from suggesting there needs to be more Rams fans in the building. Did you see that? I'm he, surprised he would do that. So he, he he basically said, the the official quote was, let me get this up here. It was that he he was surprised he was a little bit surprised there were Packer fans. And then he says, we got to, 
and then long dash. There were a lot of cheers when the Packers scored. I, I've only been to one game there, and it was a Vikings game. Oh, it was, it was e- that Thursday I went night to game. Eagles game. And was it packed with Eagles fans? Of course it was. Uh, and maybe I didn't notice that there were that many Vikings fans there because the colors aren't that dissimilar. It's like I think blue there were and purple. A lot of Vikings fans. It wasn't like there probably like was. Today. I just didn't notice. It wasn't like today. So wait. So here's my point. Do you think that it could play a role, however small? And I know that this is this gets into intangibles and all this crap, and there's a lot of football to talk about. But do you think that it will play a role if they play a well-supported team in the divisional round of the NFC Championship, like the Packers, if the Eagles make a run, uh, you know, Washington has a ton of fans, the Saints obviously have a lot of fans. Do you think, that, do you think that's something that could matter in January? I think is a tiebreaker if all other things are even. Right. I mean, and, but they are the best team. So I guess all other things aren't even. I, I think it's a factor. I mean, if, is it a big factor? I don't believe so. But I think that it could play a small role, yes. I mean, you think about a team like the Saints, tons of fans. I mean, damn, divisional round, it could be the damn Bears. Get the Maze family out here. Well, let's not, uh, let's take it easy on that. Get the, get the Mazes out here from not, Arizona. Not, not, not quite, not quite there yet. Um, we, can, we can book the flight, dude. Let's do this. I, uh, let's talk about the Packers very briefly though. Cause I do want to discuss just kind of how good they look today against a very good team. Yes. Uh, I mean, again, if Montgomery does not fumble that ball, they probably win. I mean, yes. you have Rogers coming out with one last drive to win the game. And we were talking about this a little bit off air. I mean, if that's a playoff game and he has that chance, I mean, that's the scariest thing imaginable. I mean, in that team with a, like a puncher's chance in those moments, they're something to be feared going into the playoffs. If they somehow sneak in, nobody's is nobody's going to want to play them. Nobody. Yeah, I mean, this is the kind of thing Riley McAteer, our resident Rams fan, was talking about how scared he is of, of playing a Packers team in the playoffs. And I think that that's, that's pretty much the thing every year, especially when it's a mediocre Packers team and everybody's talking about what Rodgers could possibly do. But, I mean, look at 2016. They were pretty crappy through, what, 10 weeks that year? And then Rodgers just got hot in November. And it was ridiculous. Sudden, and then they got to the NFC Championship game. They kind of you know, couldn't get to the level of offensive firepower the Falcons had, but they ended up toppling the Cowboys at that point. They ended up beating the... Who, they beat the Redskins in the first round, or was that 2015? Who did they beat in the first round 2016? The Giants. The Giants. The Giants right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Giants. Um, random NFC East foe. That they, yes. they, they beat every single but year. Pencil in the team that's not very good from the NFC East that somehow right. snuck into the playoffs. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, we, that, that kind of talent that we saw today, um, it's, you know, he's building trust with the guys, uh, you know, MSV. Is that, is that, is that what we're, we're settling on with the acronym? It's MVS, isn't it? Marcus oh, Valdez it's like scaling. the Juju Smith-Schuster thing for me. Yeah, I don't... Their, their names are too long. All the guys in the Packers' names are too long. I don't know any of them. Equinemia St. Brown, Marquez Valdez-Scanling. There we go. We're just going all acronym, and I'm going to confuse the last two letters of that acronym. Yeah, it's they're, they're, they're too long. They're, they're too many rookie receivers with long names. I'm not going to be able to keep I, them straight. I came, I came away from this extremely encouraged. Me too. And I think that, that those two guys, I mean, I'm joking about it, but I think those two guys do add a little bit of explosiveness, a little bit of athleticism to a receiving core that probably could use it. You do know I mean, that when you have Adams. Just to be clear, that? you do know the Chicago Bears are first in the NFC North. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not doing that. It's they looked fine today against the Jets. They looked. They're four and three, a five seventy one winning percentage. That is slightly above. I'm not the doing Vikings this. four three and one. I'm not we're just not discussing it. When they beat a team that's not the Jets or the Bills, 
and I will, we can start talking about the Bears again. You so don't we'll have, have to wait for these two more weeks. Good teams make the playoffs. I've seen plenty of Bears teams make the playoffs without they being still good play. Teams. I mean, the Lions didn't look good today, but they still play the Lions twice. They still play the Vikings twice. They still play the Packers. I'm, I'm not doing this quite yet. All right, before we move on, let's take a quick break. Did you get the Yahoo Sports mobile app yet? Are you ready for live football on your phone? With the Yahoo Sports mobile app, you get live local and primetime NFL games all season long. Never miss your local game. Never miss a big national matchup. All you need is the Yahoo Sports app. Seriously, go get the app. It's your ticket to watching live NFL games whenever you want. It's all football and it's all yours. Watch live NFL games on the Yahoo Sports mobile app. Unleash the most powerful Pixel ever on the network chosen by Google, Verizon. Pixel 3 has more than just any camera. It takes group selfies, snaps in portrait mode, and helps you always pick the perfect moment with Top Shot, which automatically recommends the best pics where no one is blinking and everyone looks just right. And the Pixel 3 also has the power of Google Lens, which means you can search what you see. And when you get the Pixel 3 on Verizon, it comes with America's best network. Now families can mix and match their unlimited plans on the best network. With Unlimited on Verizon, everybody in the family gets what they want without having to pay for the things they don't. Visit your local Verizon store or learn more at po.st slash the ringer. Now back to the show. Let's get to stock up and stock down this week. Uh, you wanted to kick off with this one. The Carolina Panthers are five and two after another pretty impressive win. They beat the Eagles last week. They beat the Ravens today. They made the still best statistical defense in the NFL look pretty bad. Where are we on the Panthers in that sort of hierarchy in the NFC and then beyond that in the NFL? I mean, I think that in the NFC, you can absolutely put them in the conversation right below that tier with the Saints and the Rams. I mean, is there anybody else in the NFC you feel significantly better about right now than the Panthers? No, I mean, in in about 10 minutes, we're about to hype up Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. Like, that's where we're at, dude. I'm not sure we're getting quite there, but... I'm there. I, I So, with the Panthers, I feel like this is a team that, in so many ways, is so familiar to us. You know, Ron Rivera's been there for a long time. It, it seems that kind of their culture, their identity has been pretty much the same for a while now. You know, Luke Keekley, the same faces. It's the elements of that team that are different that have made me a little bit excited about them. It's the efficiency with which Cam Newton is throwing the ball in this offense. It's the mm-hmm. offense itself and how it looks under North Turner. DJ Moore gave them a spark today. There are just pieces on this team that are different this year that gave them a little bit something new. And I did not account strongly enough for those pieces coming into the season. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about how underrated we think Cam Newton is. And in most seasons, I think in 2015, he was properly rated obviously, but I think a lot of times we don't really understand how, how good and how talented and how athletic he is. It's funny to me that Cam Newton was overlooked this season. And here's why. We talked so much about the spread stuff, about the college stuff, about you know merging, the great merging of the pro and college schemes. And Cam Newton's been doing that for basically his entire career. I mean, they, they were just taking some of that Gus Malzahn stuff and bringing it in. So it does make sense that, that in the sort of the great spread awakening here in the NFL in 2018, that there's, there's going to be some Cam Newton. Beyond that, it's exactly what you said. You know, I think that we have a mental block in our head for the Panthers because we saw how complete 
and efficient they were in 2015, and it still wasn't good enough to win the Super Bowl. And I feel like because these teams since then haven't been as good, we think, well, that's just not good. I mean, it's an unfair judgment, but I do feel like the Super Bowl loss kind of clouded everyone's judgment. Have you ever, do you ever feel like that? Yeah, I do. I mean, I, like, I, I, I kind of was just like, after the Super Bowl, I kind of feel like America was just like, okay, we're just done with the Panthers. Well, if how are they ever going to win one if because it's never right. going to be that good? I mean, they're fifteen and one team, which seemed like it was their year. Well, I mean, I you know the great irony of it is that the Broncos team that beat them was sort of in the same position. They they the Bron- they the laid they, they laid neck against they laid against the Seahawks, and then everybody was like, "Well, that's uh, up yeah, for that's them. right. That's that's yeah. actually pretty funny." Yes, but that I mean, obviously the two thousand. 15, 2015 Broncos are a vastly different team than the 2013 Broncos. Yeah, they had a dead quarterback. Well, they had the best defense in the NFL. I well, mean, they, in yeah, and their quarterback was non, a non-functioning human. Yes, but I mean, their their defense was very good. No, in 2013, obviously, I'm not, were, I'm not comparing the two teams. I'm just talking about the perception just of the post-Super Bowl perception of the Panthers has been very, very, I think America is extremely, and the media, and it's unfair. I think it's they're extremely slow to buy in. So here's my here's the point I was trying to make. It's that with those Broncos teams, their identity drastically shifted from those two seasons over those two seasons. Right. The Panthers have not shifted that drastically. I think that's why I'm a little bit slower to kind of buy in because it's like, oh, I don't know. We know this team. And I don't think we do. I think that they're a little they're a different enough for me to start saying, all right, let, let's see what happens here. Like, can they yeah. knock somebody off in the playoffs? Yeah. I totally agree with you. And you know, you had Luke Keekley playing. I think that PFF has Luke Keekley's 2015 season as the best for a linebacker like ever, or at least among them. And he he's he's really good uh in 2018, but he's just not that. And so I think we just we have a we all have a mental block about the Panthers. Having said that, I totally agree with you. They're right below the Saints right now. I definitely I mean they're they are, in my opinion, clear cut as the third best team in the NFC. Yeah. I think that I'm willing, I'm ready to say that just because I'm not excited about any of these other teams. Minnesota I mean, is just one may, of those things where you try to talk yourself into them every, every week and they just don't have it this year, it seems. And I don't know what the other answer would be. I really don't. No. It's not Washington. Your, your Chicago Bears, NFC North leading. Again, not just not doing it. Just really not doing it. This is great. Uh, let's stick with stock up. Uh, let's go with Adrian Peterson, who... Looked like Adrian Peterson today for the Washington professional football team. And it was vintage, man. It was fun to watch. So I'm not really, I I think it's kind of, it's very baseball to do this. Like so-and-so is the first quarterback since Fran Tarkenton to do blank. I like, I, I don't really, I think the game changes so much that those sort of things are only valuable within eras. Having said that, Adrian Peterson is the second running back at his age, to have a touchdown over 60 yards. Do you know who the other one is? Robert Mays? I have no idea. It's Jim Thorpe. Wow. <laughs> That's it's incredible. Jim I love that. That's a really Thorpe. good one. That's a really good pull. So, yeah, that was treated out. So, he has 4.3 yards per carry this season. He basically wins a game against the Giants. I'm of the opinion that running backs don't really matter. Yet the Redskins are looking like he's at four point six now after today. Oh, hey now, um, the Redskins look like they might win the division, and the only thing they're good at 
is stopping the run. It's their only top 10 trade at this point. I don't know if they've they snuck in on, on another uh, unit uh, ranking, but at, before, coming into the game, they were only top 10 in stopping the run. And with Adrian Peterson. In 2018, I feel like this shouldn't happen. Robert, explain this to me. It's such ugly football. It's such ugly football. Like their entire strategy at this point is let's muddy these games up and win 20 to 17. Like that's who the Reds are. But I just are. didn't. Just I, so I, I just didn't think that was possible. Like I everybody, didn't think it was possible everybody. And I don't you, think it's sustainable. I really don't like, think it's sustainable. Damn, like Mike Smith kept talking about how he's going to stop the run, and he just got fired instead. And every game they, every game the Bucks played was 45 to 40. Like I just they, don't. Obviously, it's a personnel thing, but I just, I, I feel like philosophically saying we're going to stop the run and we're going to run. It just, I, it, it shouldn't be happening. It shouldn't even be sustainable for half a season. No. I, it's, and I don't think it will be. I mean, I think that this is a team that, again, maybe they win the NFC East and maybe they sneak into the playoffs and every single person picks against them in the wild card round. And they lose. Yes. I so mean, they, I, have, I, they have. I'm not, I'm not impressed by this team, even though they keep winning like this. They it's have just, the, the Falcons. should be. The Falcons, the Bucks, the Texans, and the Cowboys. I mean, those win, are all win winnable all those games. games. They could yeah. win all of those games. They absolutely. Can. They have the Texans at home. Um, God, that is going to be good luck, Texans this, offensive this line. Is, this is, seems like a, a a bad ten and sixteen from a mile away. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's again, they don't do anything particularly well except the things that you laid out. I mean, they have defensive players. They have so many solid guys over there. Like Jonathan Allen's been good this year. Deron Payne's been really nice as a rookie. Ryan Kerrigan's still a good player. But I mean, it's, Josh Norman's been fine there. I guess DJ Swearinger's had a pretty decent season. But did you see what like, did you see DJ Swearinger's comments after the game? No. So they played them on Sunday Night Football. I don't seek out DJ Swearinger's comments after. No, the game. I, I, but, I, I uh, not. He's not my go-to. But he was talking about how easy it is to play football because he's just so prepared that he says it's like turning on a stove. <laughs> That's actually pretty badass. I kind of love. He was that. just like, "No, nah, this is fine." It's like he said, "It's like turning on a stove." I just turned on a stove. I I don't agree with him. I've ne- I've never turned on a stove. I just made myself some tea in order to get over the nine inch nails here. I use tea. I use micro microwave for tea. Wow, I, that's that is disappointing. What? I, I, have, I have I don't have that much time. It's, I guess that's fair. All right, one more here. Uh, let's talk about Russell Wilson. We mentioned very briefly earlier. Hell yeah! I just wanted to chat about it because. Sometimes we forget because that offense was non-functioning for a little while that Russell Wilson's like yeah, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Perfect so, quarterback rating today. So beyond Russell Wilson playing extremely well, which he did in a convincing win over the Lions, are we wrong about the Seahawks offense being terrible? Like, are they maybe not uh, terrible? Well, their offensive line is surprisingly not bad. It is much, much better than it has been in years past. Russell Wilson said he can make steaks back there. A lot of cooking. A lot of cooking. Yeah, a lot of cooking. Yeah, it's getting to be around Thanksgiving. We're all I mean, thinking about like, it. Like David Moore looks like a real player on this team now. Um, I just cue up like the wheel of random Seahawks receivers because when David Moore is making plays, you know that Russell Wilson's probably feeling dude, it. Dude, dude, do you know what Russell Wilson's touchdown percentage is? I saw this from Bob Condotta. Do you know what it is this season? I mean, I'm sure it's... Ticked up as of today, considering he threw 17 passes and three of them went for touchdowns. It's 8.8. That's crazy. Of everyone who's currently active, only one player has had a better season. 
That's Aaron Rodgers at 9.0. So not even that much better. He is throwing touchdowns at a historic, near historic rate. I'm in. I mean, what do we think about the Seahawks? Is this a team that could actually kind of make a run here? Well, what about this discussion we've been having? Who's good in the NFC right now? That's kind of my now, thought. Now, I, mean, I, I don't know the answer. I, are the Packers going to win 10 games somehow? I honestly don't know. I, I, it is... So, if we establish very quickly that the Saints, the Panthers, and the Rams are good, then... We get look at that second sort of tier, I guess third tier, because the Panthers are on their own tier. You have the Redskins, the Eagles. Where are we on the Eagles? I don't know, man. I mean, they okay. that Jacksonville season looks over. Okay. So I'm not sure. It's hard <laughs> to kind of gauge teams against them right now. And the Vikings and Packers. And we're only putting the Packers in there. They're three, three, and one. They're the only three win team in this discussion because they have Aaron Rodgers and they almost beat the Rams today. So it's a it's a muddled picture. I mean, I think that we'll have a much clearer understanding here as these teams get away from four and three as they kind of round sure, in the form. But, but I'm just it, saying, I'm surprised by I, how well the Seahawks has played. I, how re- well the Seahawks offense has played is all I'll say. I really, really, I think the world of Russell Wilson, I've said it a million times. And if he's got a supporting cast that can at least be decent, keep him upright and keep him alive, I'm in. They've only got up 131 points. I, I'm really glad that the running back that the Seahawks drafted in the first round yeah. is getting carries behind the really good running back they have, whose name is Chris Carson. He was already on the team, if you're curious. The uh, <laughs> Pro Football Focus, they they did a game recap, and they just sort of slyly referred to Chris Carson as a generational talent. That's really funny. I we've, really like we've that now, a lot. We've now just, just and obviously this is a joke, to poke fun of the fact that every running back is now just a generational talent. Chris Carson's a really good running back. I understand injury concerns, but it's one of those things where that is some frustrating team building, man. Draft a running back in the first round. He doesn't even play. And you probably use some other players. I kind of find it comforting that a team like the Seahawks could do that because it. I thought they were a really smart team and it's just a very good piece of evidence. Another one, including, you know, the Patriots do it. The Rams have made mistakes. The Packers have made a lot of mistakes that just nobody knows anything. Yeah, I mean, I probably wouldn't draft a running back in the first round, but at least the Patriots use the one they drafted in the first round. This is a team, the Seahawks, like, basically solved the modern game in 2011 and 2012 and drafted a handful of all pros in the middle rounds, 2010. And then, like, three years later, four years later, they just lost their touch. And then seven years later, they're just drafting Rashad Penny in the first round. I'm very surprised at how at the fact that this has turned around a little bit. And I think that for yeah. the most part, we can tack that up to Russell Wilson being pretty damn good when he's right. All right, let's get to some stock downs. Uh, let us start with possibly the end of the Jameis Winston era in Tampa Bay. Let us. Let us. Okay. Can I give you my maybe my favorite stat of the season? You absolutely can. So, five straight games. Jameis Winston has thrown multiple interceptions in those five straight games, extending back to 2017. His 13 total interceptions in that span are tied for the most in a five-game stretch over the last five seasons. Robert, who's Jameis Winston tied with? Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Boom. Got it. Well, why would I be setting it up if it wasn't Ryan Fitzpatrick unless it was also Jameis Winston? (laughs) Somehow. Uh, Yeah, I... It doesn't seem like there's any way to come back from this because 
in my mind, it's not a Bortles situation where it's just one game and they're like, okay, you know, maybe we scare him a little bit. He comes back in next week, everything else. With the way that Fitzpatrick has played compared to Jameis Winston, it's hard to justify putting him back in the game. We've talked about this a little bit. I've written about this. That $21 million fifth-year option is guaranteed only for injury. And there is no evidence whatsoever that Jameis Winston has progressed as a quarterback in any way. He is this guy. He has been this guy for years. You cannot throw two interceptions a game and be a viable NFL quarterback. It's just not possible. And now here comes the other guy who throws two interceptions. But at least, I mean, that guy, you're not paying $20 million. I mean, that guy. <laughs> not, not yet. This year's, that, yeah, you're you're right. still young, buddy. That's 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 a good point. But I mean, that guy is a career backup. That guy yeah. was not the first overall pick in the draft that you have to decide whether you want to commit long-term to. Now, here's the question. Here's the question. Do you do a sort of modified Blake Bortles type deal if you wanted to, where you try to bring down that cap number, maybe give him a you know non-guaranteed second year? I don't know, just to just to keep him around because you're not gonna have they're not so bad. Just big picture. They're not so bad they're going to have a top five, top ten pick. They're probably going to go eight uh, and eight. I don't know about that, man. They're probably going to go eight and eight. They, they won, they're three and four right now. They almost beat the damn Bengals today. Uh, two months about the that be- one. The, be- the best they're picking is like ninth or tenth, and that's a, that's a weird zone for a quarterback. I mean, but if you want to, I, I, I guess so. But at a certain point, you need to get one, right? Yep. I mean, if if you think that he's not the guy, which he clearly is not, you need to get one. So do you move up for one? I mean, I understand that's not always fun, but we've seen teams do it. And if you need one, then sometimes you just have to do whatever you need to, to get, to make it happen, to get it done. And it just feels like if I were the Bucks ownership and I were the Bucks kind of just decision makers at this point, why wouldn't you, after you probably fired Dirk Cutter this off season, bring in a new coach with a new quarterback? Why would you saddle well, him with Winston yeah. for a year or two? So that's a great point. I guess what I'm saying is, who do you go after? Because oh, I, don't know. I mean, it's, I don't, I'm not ready to play that game yet. I mean, it's, yeah. just, it's so long from now. No, I of just, course. Of course. I, I, I'm just saying that we, we go through this every year and then it becomes, you're giving Kirk Cousins an $84 million guaranteed deal. Oh, I thought you meant the coach. Um, no, I try to draft a rookie quarterback. I mean, I just yeah, try to go no, one of the that's first obviously, and- that's obviously the, would be the ideal. That That's absolutely the ideal. But I'm just saying, would you, if you're 2019, okay, first of all, is Jason Light coming back? I would uh, have to assume not. I yeah. think and if I had to bet on it, I would say they completely clean house. I, 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 they, I would agree. And if they do that, then again, why would you want the quarterback from the previous regime and like on a $20 million right. like but then, But then do you bring back- Anvil. Do you bring back Fitz on a one-year, $6 million deal? Sure. And then okay. it, by week three, we'll cl- be clamoring for the rookie to start. Like or, it happens or, in every or, other situation. Or Fitz just does his normal Fitz thing and just wins the job back three times over the course of the season. I, I'd rather almost remove the Ryan Fitzpatrick kind of variable from the equation in order to keep that from happening. Let's like just bring in an actively bad quarterback to be the guy that sits and he just plays the first two games. Have you seen uh, the haunting of Hill house? I have not yet actually, but I would like to, I might watch that this week in a typical Halloween flavor. It's just about this family that was in a house and they can't get really rid of the demons in the house. uh, Even if they leave the house, Uh, it's called called the chargers. No, that's, that's the Ryan Fitzpatrick in a quarterback competition. You're just not going to get rid of them. 
Let's talk about a team that probably should have made the decision we just mentioned where you clean house and start over when you have a very highly drafted rookie quarterback. And that is the Cleveland Browns Mm. who it, it just seems like as much of a mess as we thought that situation could possibly be, that's how much of a mess it is. I mean, it's the worst case scenario that you could have envisioned coming into the year for the Browns. Their talent is viable. It's obvious. And they are just an absolute mess with the coaching staff. So we had literal documentary evidence that that this was going to happen. And then it happened. (laughs) It's amazing how that works. Brian Spoon, PFF analyst, tweeted out that the Browns are... (laughs) Almost uh, doubling up the league in illegal blocks above the waist, which I just found so funny to me. That is I just really found funny, actually. so funny that they're just, they've cornered the markets on illegal blocks above the waist. Just new it's ways just, for incompetence, man. Just, but you just see that stuff. And I just saw when I was scrolling like two hours ago and I just made a note of it because I, it made me laugh out loud, but it's like, that's, that's a very Browns thing. I mean, I think, I think generally the problem is that when you saw Hard Knocks, it looked like Greg Williams and Todd Haley sort of looked at each other kind of like, even though Greg Williams had been there before, they looked at each other and they were kind of like, man, we seem to have some idea of what's going on and Hugh Jackson seems to be on Mars. And the Hugh Jackson's solution to this whole situation seems to be to get rid of the people who know that he's on Mars. It just feels like we didn't need to do this. Like it, this just didn't need to happen. Like there was no why, way. But was why is Todd Haley? Why why is Todd Haley more likely to go than Hugh Jackson? Is that something I, I, that Hugh I, Jackson is saying? Most likely, I, I don't. Who else would be saying that? I don't think it matters because at the end of the year, everyone's gone anyway. I mean, it's just this is when John Dorsey kind of gets to go to ownership and say, "Okay, can you actually like let me do this now?" I, I mean, it, the whole thing is just so bizarre. And I, I mean, watch this team, and it's like. God, Denzel Ward, you know, it wasn't a great day against Brown, but he did fine. And he's so fun. I think he's going to be great. Miles Garrett flashes, you know, Baker did not look awesome today, but they really struggled to keep him protected. Yeah. I mean, he was kind of scattering around back there. I still am very bullish on him. It's just one of those things where it's, I, my fear coming into the season as someone who was very impressed with the way that the Browns built this team is that I would watch this team and just be frustrated the entire year because they should be better. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah, uh, before Baker threw his two touchdowns in the game, he had as many interceptions this year as he did touchdowns, six to six. And that's just, you know, you look at rookie quarterbacks historically. Don't don't look at Patrick Mahomes, who's in his second year. Um, look at actual rookie quarterbacks. Look at damn Jared Goff, who was just better. The only rookie who was worse was Andrew Walter in his rookie year, and now he's an MVP candidate. This is what we expected out of Baker. And now what you have to do is you have to go to the McVay route as the Rams did and just find the guy that's going to build Baker up. It's okay that you wasted this year. That's fine. You cannot waste year two and year three. You have to find the guy to cultivate your quarterback. It's right just now. that simple. And, 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 that, and, that, and that, what, what's interesting about that is you start what the to Bears think, just did. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you have to do it. It's just so necessary on the trajectory of your team with the way that the cap currently works and the way the team building currently works. So, Here's my question. So John Dorsey was the GM in Kansas City, and before that, he came from the Green Bay, the Green Bay tree. Obviously, he spent years there. When you, th- if you think he's going to sort of hire from that that circle, 
either circle because they are kind of two different circles. Who jumps out to you for a guy or, or do you go totally college and just throw money at Lincoln Riley? No one jumps out to me from that. The Peterson Reed circle. Just oh, because only it, because Dave Tobe is a special teams coach. Dave Tobe is a special teams coach. You know, the is in his first year there as the offensive coordinator. Yeah, that's I feel tough. Like I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's also a former, this is a weird thing, but he's a former running back yeah, coach. I was about to say that. I, I just, that, that's not the route I would go. I mean, Nagy was the quarterback's coach beforehand. I feel like that's just a smarter way to go after those hires, but yeah, man. I uh, I don't know what the answer is. I, again, that's tough for me at this time of the year. I don't really think about that, really that kind of conversation in that sphere of the coaching world until we get to that point. I, when guys start getting fired, that's when I'll start having names for you. Well, spoiler alert, that's probably going to happen. There you go. Well, you know what? If that happens this week, then I'll just say Lincoln Riley is a default. I'm kind, you know what I'm kind of into? I'm looking at a list of offensive coordinators. I'm kind of into the Todd Munkin sweepstakes. Oh man, that's going to be awesome. I love Todd Munkin so much. He would be really fun with Baker Mayfield. I mean, obviously well, he's, he's not I mean, be the head coach. It's going to be t- that's tough. Yeah. I, I I think that he he should there's a lot of things he could do. Yeah, I, Todd Munkin is an in- interesting man. I'm I'm not sure he's a he's a head coach in the NFL, but he's a very good offensive coordinator. Dude, there's some interesting head coaches. All right, before we move on, let's take one more quick break. G Suite is a suite of cloud-based productivity tools that includes Gmail, Docs, Slides, Sheets, and Drive. These tools improve your work life, both in terms of your experience and the outputs you create. Hence their new campaign, Make It With G Suite. You know when you have 20 identical versions of a document labeled Final and no clue which is the latest? So you make another version and name that one Final Final, right? Well, with G Suite by Google Cloud, a range of work apps like Gmail, Docs, and Slides let you make real-time updates to the same document without having to keep track of version after version of a project. And since all the tools are cloud-based, your whole team can access the same document and work on the same page at the same time. To find out more about G Suite's productivity tools, visit gsuite.com. That's gsuite.com. Make it with G Suite by Google Cloud. Now back to the show. All right. Let's throw some challenge flags before we get out of here. Yeah. Uh, I want to start with uh, the New York football giants who I'm not sure who they're trying to fool with this uh, Eli Manning farce that's continuing. Like, why in the world wouldn't you put Laletta in? Why? What is the argument against putting him in? Your season is over. You might as well find out what you have in the rookie quarterback. The Eli Manning era is done. It was fun. Uh, Congratulations to the Giants on their two Super Bowls. I do not want to watch this team play football ever again with Eli Manning as their quarterback. And that's hard to do because Odell Beckham and Saquon Barkley played for that team. So I would really like to watch them in a perfect world. So I have a question. Why does Eli Manning have a no trade clause? (laughs) Such a good question. I saw the headlines today. I saw the headlines today. Eli Manning will not waive his no trade clause with the Giants. Excuse me. Can we back up about 50 steps and find out why something that's only given to like Albert Pujols because he signed a 10-year, $250 million deal and they have the strongest union in sports. Like why Eli Manning has that? How many other NFL players, period, have a no trade clause? I mean, I bet, I bet you can count them on one hand. If you even get to five. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we just don't talk about it because any player with a no trade clause, any player of that caliber would never, ever be traded. Well... I mean, I certainly Tom Brady doesn't have a no trade clause. 
So yeah, Rodgers does not have a no trade clause. If I'm looking at this correctly, so, Brady obviously doesn't. So why in the hell would the precedent be there for Eli Manning to get a no trade clause? So apparently Drew Brees had one on his two on his 2016 yes. 2017 deal, but that was but that was a weird deal. Well, also yes. for, that was he was it was short term. Yes, it wasn't like this Manning deal. This is, and I I don't think he has one now. No, I don't believe uh, Brees might have one in his current deal, but that's such a specific case. Because it's not as if this was the mega contract. I mean, right. Eli Manning is in the midst of his mega contract. Yeah, so yeah it, it makes got zero sense. It. It's that's unbelievable. Like it's a great job by Tom Condon. Good for you, buddy. Alex Mack had a no trade clause. <laughs> I, I just this don't understand how right. this, this works. isn't real. <laughs> this is it. Is, is it because of the restricted free agency or the the, the- uh, maybe? I mean, it's. So basically, the only two people on the planet who play football and have no trade clause are Alex Mack, who had a weird scam deal with it's the like ja- a poison Jaguars. pill thing. Yeah, because you're trying. Yeah, that's a good point because you're trying to throw a wrench in it. Yeah, and then Eli Manning, who the Giants just willingly gave a no, no trade clause to. <laughs> All right, uh, what's yours? Yeah, just very quickly, uh, Dieter Kurtenbach, who does a great job, wrote a column. Actually, after you and I talked, Robert, and I told you what I was going to bring up, and then I saw his column afterwards, and it was really good. Um, it was basically just the, the 49ers. Um, you know, we're looking ahead to the draft. Can we win some games? They've now lost to the Cardinals twice. I understand the season is lost when you lose a guy like McKinnon than a guy like Garoppolo. You're not going to make the playoffs anymore. But... I was just expecting a little more of a well-rounded team. And I didn't expect, even though I think that it's probably smart in the long term to, to go two and 14, three and 13 to get that top pick. I think generally I'd like to just see a little better performances every Sunday from the damn Niners. So I can go either way on this. I don't think they should be trying to win games. I mean, I think losing is good. I think if you can get the number one would pick love, in the draft, would love to it. see them beat the Cardinals at some point this season. <laughs> that that is that's a reasonable point. Don't don't have high expectations about anybody else about beating the Rams or anything. Would just, I, I've seen the Cardinals play. Would love to see them beat them. I don't need to see them win games. I do need to see a little bit more progress from the young guys that they see as pillars of what they want this franchise to be. And there has been some of that. Like McGlinchey has been good. I mean, that is a nice piece and he's going to be their right tackle for a long time. The other guys that you're excited about are hurt. You know, Goodwin just came back. You lose McKinnon before the season starts, but the defense is what worries me. I mean, this is a group that you really hoped that you were going to see something from Mikel Weatherspoon this week or this year. He has not been good. Players like that. They got blown out by the Rams. Understandable. They had that weird, weird collapse in Green Bay. They lost to the Cardinals before that. Then the Chargers, then the Chargers. I mean, it, it's, it's, they're, they might go one and 15, and that's hugely disappointing from a guy like Kyle Shanahan, who I just expected a little more, you know, come on. CJ Beathard isn't, uh, isn't, isn't Nathan Peterman here. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm not sure how good CJ Beathard is. And that offense has looked pretty damn good in stretches. Like, it, it's a disappointing outcome overall. It's a disappointing tenor to a year that, started with so much excitement. But for me, it's not about what, what CJ Beathard's doing. It's more the guys that are highly drafted on that defense or the Agreed. guys they really thought were going to be the foundation of that team moving forward have not made any progress. You know, the offense is going to be what it's going to be. I thought the defense could take a step forward with some of those guys, and it just hasn't. Let me ask you uh, a question. CJ Beathard, 
Get an 81 rating this season. If he were on the Bills, would he start? Again, I don't know how good C.J. Beathard is. That's, That's my concern. Do, do you know how good the Bills guys are? <laughs> I, I do know how good the Bills guys are. He probably could. C.J. Beathard is a fun player, man. If you're going to have a backup quarterback, well, you want C.J. Beathard because it's essentially just, eh, fuck it. Like he gets hit all the time. He's just yeah. chucking it deep left and right. He's a very entertaining backup quarterback. It wasn't fun to watch today, but in stretches, it has been much better than it has to be with a backup. I'll say he, that much. he is, is quickly climbing towards having as many touchdowns as interceptions. He's got 12. He's, get, he's, he's got 12. There. He's got 12 to 13 right now in his career. It wasn't a good game. I mean, 14 to 28 against the Cardinals, but there have been, you know, he was, it was a fun game against the Packers. I last checked week. in on that damn game and it was five to three. And I said, whatever <laughs> no, happens have to watch that here, game. whatever happens here for the rest of the game, something's going to become a challenge flag. I, again, we, we mentioned this with, uh, with the rookie quarterbacks. Rosen 23 or 40 today threw a pick. Josh Rosen's going to be really good, man. Like, I think Josh Rosen's going to be really, really good. And with, with these rookie quarterbacks, it's about moments. It's not about sustained greatness. It is about moments where you sit there and say, I can work with that. And when, every time I watch Rosen play, it's like, shit, man, that guy's going to be good. And I feel good about a lot of these guys, but I think at this point, he might be the one I'm most excited about. I would love to finish that point on Rosen, but I needed to sidetrack you for one second. CJ Bathard went to a high school called Battleground Academy. That's why he's such a tough-nosed guy, man. It explains a lot. It's, it's on a, it's on, it was built on a Civil War battleground, and they just sort of named it after that. It says a lot about him. I've, I've learned right. that. That makes yeah. sense. Real quick, on that, on that note and on that game, Rosen and the rookie quarterbacks, you rank them how right now? I mean, there's only three, right? Mm-hmm. Like if we're just discounting Josh Allen from the conversation. Well, because he's been hurt or because he's Josh Allen? Because he's Josh Allen. Oh, I think we can I include mean, him if we're, if we're just going to no. throw him out based on. He is he is four. I'm not going to put Jackson in there. Just let's make it. No, no, no. He has played. The guys I'm most excited about moving forward. I would still say, I would put Rosen one. Oh. I would Baker two. I, I think he's been so good. Oh. I, I just, I think he's been so much fun to watch and he does not have much to work with there. I mean, whatever you think of Christian Kirk, fine, but that offensive line is not good. They fired their offensive coordinator. Uh, I mean, he has been much better than he has any right to be. Okay, so I'm going to go Baker one. That it's it's one a one b. You know how much did I love you Baker. see like the double spin move Baker had today? I just feel like as far as exciting moments, Baker shown me a lot. So I would go Baker one, Rosen two, Darnold three, Josh Allen. I mean, for God's sake, well, I'm going to put Lamar Jackson ahead of Josh Allen. I am excited about the first three, though. That's what I will say. I mean, if, no matter what their rankings are, I think all of them have a chance to be very good. I mean, I think that, you know, compared to other quarterback classes, this has been a pretty damn good showing for this group of rookies. If we're talking about moments, there have been plenty that you can get excited about. I'm excited about, but speaking of quarterbacks, this Saints three quarterbacks thing. I, I, I've said this a couple of times. The Taysom Hill stuff is fun. I'm not sure why it's so necessary. It's not like, necessary at all. It happens a lot. I mean, well, it actually, it a lot. can I tell you something? I kind of remember my theory a couple of years ago, and this was not just exclusively my theory. The Belichick loved the Garoppolo Brissett games. Yeah. 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 It was almost like, like a weird challenge for him. I, I kind of feel like Sean Payton wishes he had a terrible quarterback. 
Like because because that is that is if you're playing three quarterbacks, that's the type of offense you have if you just suck. Yes, that's like what Florida would do. Right. Like, you you have Drew Brees. Like I know yeah, you have Drew Brees. This. Like you should not be playing games with two other quarterbacks in the backfield. I know it was one playing all that, but I'm just saying like that's like the Bills. If they had maybe more athleticism among their quarterbacks, it would just change the game if they threw three quarterbacks out there once. Could you imagine if they played Anderson, Peterman, and Allen though at the same time? The league would break. It would be all we need. They they would have solved football at that point. Oh my God. Wait, maybe that's the way to do it. That's the only way to do it. And that's how you know you have no quarterbacks. How many? I'm looking right now. Oh, the playtime percentage is enough. I'm very curious how many snaps Taysom Hill played today because it was a lot. Well, he had one one pass for 44 yards. One pass. And then he carried the ball three times. And then he was also just out there a bunch. I mean, Taysom Hill is like a real player in this offense now. It's Taysom not just a gimmick Hill, anymore. T- but it, just his passing stats, he's going to end up like one of these punters who just throws nine yes, passes yeah. in his career um, and, has, and has seven touchdowns. Mohamed Sanu, the greatest quarterback of all time. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't know enough about Sean Payton's psyche, but when you throw three quarterbacks out there, it says to me that you want to do things that are so out, outside the box that, that having one of the best quarterbacks of all time doesn't let you be great. That's all. I could see Sean Payton's ego being there. I, I, I have no problem seeing it at all, actually. I, I think a lot of coaches feel that way. Yeah, I think so too. But I think that Sean Payton, especially, I mean, his legacy is inexplicably or inextricably tied to Breeze. I mean, it's hard to kind of legit. It's kind of hard to like legislate their greatness individually because we've never had to see them apart. When these coaches feel that way, like maybe I should have a worse team, you know, they should call Kyle Shanahan. (laughs) (laughs) He can talk them out of it. All right, uh, let's get to a couple of tomorrow's headlines before yeah. we get out of here. Uh, one that jumps out to me, we started talking about it a little bit, and I, I know you have some issues with it, but the Rams are 8-0. They just keep winning. And even they're winning in games that aren't necessarily too pretty, and I think that's a good thing. I mean, when you can just kind of come away with these wins each time, and I mean, obviously there's a scary moment when Rodgers is coming back onto the field, but they're not coming back from like three touchdowns down to win these games. Like they're in control for the most yeah. part. In, the, in each one of them. And, and I just feel like we have to start having a conversation, even with the schedule they're about to face, about whether they could do this. And in a way, outside of that, you know, kind of brutal stretch with the Saints and the uh, Chiefs and everything else, uh, I feel like Mike Vay resting these guys at the end of the year might be like the biggest deterrent. Well, I feel like the biggest deterrent is they have the Saints next week, then the rejuvenated Seahawks. Yeah. Then the Chiefs, then the Lions, then the Bears, then the Eagles. Seahawks played them well last week too, or the last time they played. Sure. So where are these easy games? Maybe the Lions, but every couple, I mean, the Lions beat the damn Patriots. Every couple of weeks, the Lions look like a competent NFL team. Matthew Stafford is fine. Okay. So in my opinion, they've got a six game stretch. They've got the bye, I guess, Thanksgiving weekend, but they've got a six game stretch where there's no let up. And I think that a lot of times in these sort of marches towards 16 and 0, it's the teams you don't think about. Remember the uh the Panthers lost to a pretty mediocre Falcons team in 2015. Yeah. Uh the Broncos, you know, 20 years ago lost that a you know, decent Giants team. But it's not it's not the same. I mean, it, it's it rarely is it the heavyweights knock off the heavyweights. Only really the 85 Bears were the best example of of a heavyweight knocking off another undefeated heavyweight. 
I feel like they are going to have a really hard time with the Saints passing game next week, most likely, just because I mean they're so banged up in the secondary. You can see it. And the team, I mean, the way that they've been able to kind of get over it is Donald just wrecking games. And that's just not going to happen against the Saints, most likely. I mean, that team is a very good offensive line. Breeze gets the ball extremely quick. And it's going to be tough for him to have the same impact. So I think that they're going to give up a lot of points next week. But they could also score a lot of points in the Saints, man. That's what I'm saying. I just... I'm so impressed at how many different versions of this team can exist and how they can win in different ways. And that's why I feel like against anybody, they're well-equipped. Yeah. I mean, look, I think they're really good. I think they're, they're obviously one of the two best teams in the NFL. I just don't see 16 to know with that sort of schedule. That's I, I can understand that. Sure. So here's my, here's my headline for tomorrow. So Goff has his big game after a three-week stretch in which he wasn't really in the MVP conversation. Maybe Todd Gurley is still there, but again, I think narrative-wise, the Rams didn't have the game that they should have against the Packers. You know, the, the Packers yeah. know, really were in that game for longer than probably most of America thought. It was a mad game by, like, Rams standards. Yeah. So Drew Brees has 120 yards. He turns into a weird type of, you know, 2017 Mitch Trubisky, where he's just sort of... How you know, dare you get getting by on a hundred hundred yards a game? And now I'm thinking, well, wait a second here. We're talking MVP, and this is halfway point of the season. We're going to start these who's the MVP right, uh, columns. I'm not going to write it. You going to write one? Oh yeah, absolutely. I okay. love that conversation. We, we, I'm a big awards guy. We've established this. I'm, I'm not, but I love uh, I love having one more topic to fill time. So that was a joke. Um, <laughs> Patrick Mahomes, he just quietly had, I think, 125 rating on Sunday. At one point for the first three quarters, he was at 144, and then he threw an interception. But we just ignored it. Like, it, it, it was normal. His 26 pass touchdowns, according to the NFL, are the most in the first nine career games since 1950. He's one of three quarterbacks with 25 pass touchdowns in the first eight weeks of his season. The other two guys are Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. And he's on pace for 52 touchdowns, second most NFL history. Patrick Mahomes currently has as many passing touchdowns as Alex Smith had last season. <laughs> for an offense that was actually pretty damn good. For an offense that at this point in the season we thought might, might make the Super Bowl. This week was one of those games for Mahomes where there are some games where he's just, it's amazing to watch. Um, I think it, I've described the passing charts as it looks like a light show at like a particularly wild rave. Like yeah. It's just insane. This game was not that. This game was just one of those things where when he's just driving this car, it's ridiculous. I mean, they were on autopilot today. He's just dumping balls off the guys left and right and they're rumbling into the end zone because every single playmaker on this team is like would be the best receiver on another team. It's just unbelievable watching them at full speed and when they're clicking and he doesn't necessarily need to be great, but in the end, no one's going to remember that they were four dump off touchdowns. Everyone's going to remember that he's on his way to 52. That's exactly right. And so I, I think that we're going to start to hear the drum beat that Mahomes is separating himself. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. I mean, it's hard to argue with the production, even if it wasn't necessarily as you know visually spectacular as it has been in weeks past. All right, anything else? Uh, nope, that's all I got, man. We will be back Thursday as we are every week. Thank you so much for listening to the Ringer NFL Show on the Ringer Podcast Network. <laughs>